In some of our most troubled times, God makes himself real to us. That's the comforting truth our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, shares with us today on Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus as we continue our exciting journey through Galatians chapter 4. So in just a few minutes, we're going to begin in verse 6, but first, let's welcome Greg Harris. So hi, Greg. Hey, Steve. Good to see you. We got some really good letters to share from our listening family, this time in Canada. Yes, yes. And we really do love uh, Canada. It's it's such an important part of our foundation, not only as a ministry, as the home base of our ministry here in North America, but as supporters, prayer supporters and financial supporters. And we've got, uh, of course, we love to talk about our Canadian director, Ray Allery. Yes. And God has used him uh, so powerfully in our ministry globally and in Canada um, and we've got some exciting uh, projects that are being supported by our Canadian listeners. Yeah, I think about the expanding reach and ministry in the Caribbean yep. that we're doing yep. and funding TTB's program production and distribution in India. I mean, India is one yeah. of our most fruitful areas of the world in terms of ministry that's going on. Yes, and they are they're big supporters of the home group ministry, the more than yeah. 12,000 home groups in just the country of India. Uh, also, our Canadian uh, supporters are increasing our reach and funding into two closed countries in South Asia that we're not going to name just to keep security in, in place. And, uh, and the Canadian supporters are also continuing to grow our ministry in East and West Africa. Uh, and God is really opening doors beyond anything I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So just a, a personal note from Greg and myself, if you're listening to this in Canada, whether it's on the radio or whether it's on a player, thank you yes. so much for your faithful yes. support financially. Yes. But also for your prayers and the testimonies that you give to us. Yeah. So let's get to those. Let's get them. Yeah. Okay. Here's Shawan who listens in Farsi, yeah. but in Canada. Yes. So take that to note. I first believed in Jesus Christ 10 years ago. I studied the Bible several times, and I always hoped that one day I would be successful and see the Bible from a firm and reliable source of teaching chapter by chapter. In this regard, I prayed and miraculously got acquainted with this program. The teachings are so great that I have really become fascinated and enamored with the Word of God, and great treasures have been opened to me, which has changed my vision and the way I look at theology. I thank God for the dear ones of God, both in the educational group and in the field of translation and narration, who provide such a valuable service to the Iranian Christian community. May the blessing and authority of the name of Christ be upon you and remain forever. Amen. Fantastic. And again, that is a a Farsi or Persian speaking person hearing through the Bible Persian in Canada. Yeah. And and here's another example. This this person withheld their name. They are from uh, the group that we often refer to as Kabil. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is now being called Takbaylit or Takbaylit. And uh, it is a highly persecuted group. Hence, they didn't share their name. Uh, This person says this. I used to. Yeah. You should mention that even though they're that language, they're in British Columbia. That's right. They're in British Columbia. Thank you, Steve. Yes. And and this is illustrating there's so many immigrants in Canada who we are ministering to. Yes. Thanks. That's a very important point. Uh, this person writes, I used to be persecuted a lot for my faith in Jesus and was expelled from my home. As a student, I managed to get to Canada. I feel so alone here, but it is nice to connect with you. I'm glad I can share my struggles, sorrows, and prayers 
with you. Hmm. Here's here's another good one. This is uh, Elria, also in British Columbia. Dear friends, thank you for keeping Dr. McGee on the air. Hearing his voice and his profound yet simple way of teaching always touches my heart and sometimes my funny bone. I first heard Dr. McGee long ago when I was sharing living quarters with a friend. She had to hear Dr. McGee and wanted me to hear him too. After that, we listened pretty much daily and talked about what he said and what we learned. Many, many years later, I still listen and thank God for this ministry. Fantastic. And Steve, I'm going to try to squeeze this in. Donna, who's on the World Prayer Team, praying from Ottawa, Canada. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, at 77, I've discovered how dear the people are around the world as I pray for them. I was amazed how much we all have our struggles together, Mm. which has brought me closer to each one of them. I can't imagine how wonderful it's going to be when we are all together, hand in hand, praising God for his goodness, strength, grace, and mercy. Thank you for carrying out through the Bible's ministry as this helps us all grow in Christ. Such an encouragement. Greg, let me pray for us as we begin. Lord, we are so thankful because you are such a good and loving God that you have disclosed yourself to us through your word. I pray that you would do that even now as the program goes out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's our study of Galatians 4 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we're coming back today to the fourth chapter of the epistle to the Galatians, and we are putting in today at verse 6. We just got started last time, and we made this statement that the third thing that faith in Christ will do for us and never the works of the law, and that is give us the experience that we are the sons of God. And I'm confident that we need that experience today. Now, I believe in experience because I have a background, as I've indicated, being brought up as a boy sent to a Methodist Sunday school. I went down to a little Methodist penitent bench when an evangelist held a meeting in our town underneath a brush arbor back of an unpainted Methodist church. And I went forward and knelt as a boy. And I know this, that they talked about experience, and a lot of people had experiences there. And I know that my heart was open, and I wept as a boy. And I believe that we need an experience today. I wish that there was more emphasis on that. But I do not think it comes through seeking some high level and thinking that we might be superior to somebody else. We are always God's foolish little children. We are always filled with ignorance and stubbornness and sin and fears and weakness. Or are you? (laughs) I have a notion you are, and I don't care who you are. You see, we are never wonderful, actually. We're not. He is wonderful. The Lord Jesus Christ He's wonderful, and faith in him will give us an experience. Oh, I know that. How wonderful it is, and I think we need an experience today. I think a great many people need an experience with God. Now, what kind of a experience? And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, I'm told that that word Abba was never translated because the translators who made this, the King James, had a great reverence for the Word of God. They treated it as the Word of God. And they had high regard for it. When they came to this Word, they didn't dare translate it. 
I'm told that it's a very intimate, personal word, and actually it means my daddy. And friends, you just don't talk about God like that, do you? Or do you? You ought not to. He's my heavenly Father, and I bow before him and recognize him as my heavenly Father. But I'd hesitate to just say that. But I do think there are times, my friend, in your experience, when you can say, my Father. (laughs) And that means that you and I haven't reached a high plane. (laughs) We never become, you know, those folk today that reach the place where you get rid of this old nature that we've got. It's always there with us. There was a great preacher in this country. I take it from what I've heard about it. He's probably the greatest preacher America ever produced. And it was Paul Rader. And for some reason, I don't know the background that Paul Rader came into a great deal of criticism because he, like any individual, wanted an experience with God. And he wanted to reach a high plane. And there have been those that said that he taught sinless perfection. And then there are others, and even members of his family, and I think they know better than anyone else. They've told me he didn't teach that. He was misunderstood. But he used certain expressions, like many of us do, that are misunderstood. I find that On the radio, I make certain statements, and I get a letter in, and they say, I said something. I go back and listen to it. I didn't say it at all. I was misunderstood. And I can well understand he was misunderstood. But he used some very striking expressions. One of them, one day on the platform, why he said, that old nature that you and I have got is just like an old dead cat. Well, I like it that far. And he says, what you need to do is just reach down and get that old dead cat by the tail and throw it from you as far as you can. And I can say amen to that. I wish I could get rid of the old nature I got there. Old Vernon McGee, I'll be honest with you, my enemy doesn't know about him what I know about him. And I want to tell you, I wouldn't mind getting rid of him. And so the crowd would always say when he'd mentioned that, they'd say amen. I'd say amen too. I wish I could get rid of it. Well, one day on the platform, Dr. Chafer was sitting there, and Dr. Chafer came up to him after and said, Paul, you forget that that old dead cat has nine lives, and when you throw him away today, he's going to be right back there tomorrow, and you're going to have to throw him again. You see, you and I never become wonderful saints of God. We have this experience by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let me read it again. And because your sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, and He's the one that cries, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, I think that many times you and I can go along in just an average way, and we don't have an experience. Sometimes the Christian life becomes very drab, and just a little monotonous. But there are times, and I think it's times when he puts us on trial, when we're really being tested, and many of you are being tested today that are listening to me. And I wish you'd hear me just for this moment, because I recall that when I was taken to the hospital to be operated on for cancer, no one was ever as frightened as I was. I'm a coward, and I just don't like hospitals. I thank God for them, but still don't like them. And I, you know, got on that 
funny-looking nightgown they give you that's open in the back instead of the front. And I was trying to get up in bed, and I couldn't make it. And the nurse came in and said, what's the matter? Are you sick? And I said, no, I'm scared to death. And she helped me get in bed. And then I thought when she came in and said, we're getting you ready for the operation, I said, just let me have a few moments alone. And I'd visited in that hospital many times as a pastor, in fact, several hundred times. And I just did like Hezekiah. I turned my face to the wall, and I said, Lord, I want you to know that I've been here many times, and I've patted people on the hand and told them that you'd be with them, and I prayed for them, and then I walked out. But I'm not walking out today. I'm going to have to stay in here and be operated on myself, and I don't know the outcome. And it was just about that time that, may I say, I just welled up, and I just said, because I had some things I wanted to tell God. I wanted to tell him how he ought to work it out. And I just said to him, my father, I'm in your hands. And whatever you want done, you do it. <laughs> You're my father. And I don't know, he was so wonderful to me. May I say to you, that's when he becomes a reality to you, my beloved. And we need that today. Abba, Father, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Now, I don't wish you any trouble. But I think it's generally in times of trouble that he makes himself real to us. But I do hope that if you haven't had a wonderful experience with our wonderful Heavenly Father, you might have that. And I'm not being pious when I say that either, my friend. Now, I'm going to have to move on down through here. But I probably ought to say that there have been so many other men that have testified to this. John Payton, the great missionary down in the New Hebrides, and you can still see the effects of that man's work in that area. He went out as a young man with a young bride, and their first child was born, and the child died, and the bride died. He buried him. He was among cannibals. He sat for days there. I think it was about two weeks over that grave, keeping watch over it, keeping from digging up the bodies and eating them. And that man said his testimony was, that if God had not made himself real to him, and if the Lord Jesus Christ had not made himself real to him, he said, I would have gone mad. <laughs> He'll make himself real to you. Paul said that he was pretty lonely over there in that Mamertine prison, but he said, all others forsook me, but he said, the Lord stood by me. <laughs> it's wonderful to have that kind of a father today, friends, that I don't care what happens. He's going to come in and be with you. At that time, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's wonderful in this world today to have someone like that. And I trust you have him today. Now, let me move on. I'm reading now verse 8. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. And he's speaking of the fact that they were idolaters. That Galatian country... There in Asia Minor, I've been into those cities where the seven churches were in some other cities there. My, how they were given over to idolatry, how they were given over to the worship of idols. And Paul calls them by nature that are no gods. In fact, the matter is, the way Paul spoke of them is that they were nothings. Their idols are vanities, as he called them, are nothings. They're just nothing. 
And he says they're speechless. He calls them again in 1 Corinthians. He calls them dumb idols. They're not only nothing, but there are nothing that say nothing. And two zeros are pretty much like nothing, by the way. And Paul says they're not real. <laughs> they can't make themselves real to you. Now Paul says, but now after that ye have known God, or rather unknown of God, that's the important thing that he knows us, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Now Paul is saying here that to go into the law and to make it an idol is just same as idolatry. Paul says you came out of idolatry and now you're coming back into idolatry by the law. He says here, ye observe days and months and times and years. And Christians today, we recognize certain days and months and times and years. But very candidly, one day is just like any other day. There's no difference as far as God is concerned. We put an emphasis on certain things. But let's be very careful that we recognize that any other day is just as great a day to worship God and praise Him as Christmas is, or Thanksgiving, or Easter. Every day ought to be an Easter. Every day ought to tell us He came back from the dead. My every day ought to be a holiday for a believer, you see. And this idea of trying to observe certain things, going through certain rituals, my friend, it has no value. Don't misunderstand. I believe in celebrating Christmas and Easter, but it's not an idol. I'm not worshiping these things, and I trust you are not. Now he says in verse 11, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. And he's saying here in a very nice way that I think maybe I wasted my time among you. You see, what he's saying is to turn to the law. Now that they've been saved by grace, it's the same as returning to their former idolatry. Ye have known God not by law, but by faith in Christ. Now, this section here from 12 through 18 is personal. And it's a polite word that he's injected into this section. And I want you to notice it, and we'll lift out just one or two things here that we consider rather important. Paul says here in verse 12, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are, Ye have not injured me at all. In other words, we're all on the same plane. Actually, there's no difference here. We need to recognize that. They had been listening to the false teachers, and they were looking on him now as an enemy because he told them the truth. And he is saying, why, well, I want you to know we're both on the same plane. Now he moves into this personal part. Verse 13, Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh... I preach the gospel unto you at the first. Now, Paul makes an appeal to him on the basis of his thorn in the flesh. What was that thorn? Well, let's read on. And my temptation, or my testing, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Now, that thorn evidently made Paul very unattractive, and I think we'll see in just a moment what it is. He says, now, where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. 
Now, I believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was eye trouble. And I can't conceive of them wanting to pluck out their eyes and giving their eyes to him if what he really needed was another leg. He'd lost a leg or an arm or something. But I take it that the reason they wanted to pluck out eyes to give to him, because that's what he needed. Now, apparently, Paul had that disease of the eyes that is common, we're told, in that land, and that there's excessive pus that runs out of the eyes. And you can well understand that Paul, as he was ministering, had been very unattractive to look upon. And Paul says, you just ignored that. And then he goes on to say, since they'd received him so wonderfully when he came there and preached the gospel to them and they were saved, now he says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I've always wanted to put on a pulpit on the side that the preacher stands on, sirs, we would see Jesus. And I made that statement, and a very wonderful officer put that on my pulpit in downtown Los Angeles. I understand it's still there. But I wanted to put in front, never had the nerve to do it, I wanted to put this verse. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And you know, a lot of people today really don't want the preacher to tell the truth. They want him to say something nice that will you know, smooth their feathers down and, you know, sort of stroke them and make them feel good. We all like to have our back rubbed. And there's a lot of back rubbing going on from the pulpit today. That's no place for it, by the way. The truth should be declared there. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. And Paul's being very personal, you see. And then he says, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. In other words, they are preaching law to you for their benefit, not for yours at all. They'd be able to say, my, look, we made these converts, you see. They'd count noses. Verse 18, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. Now listen to him here, my little children, and here it's technos, my little born ones, your little babies, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He said, I believe you've been stillborn. (laughs) I'm travailing in birth again, that you might be really born again. Now he says, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. He was there. He'd really spoken more sharply than he does here. Now he says, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Now he goes back again to Abraham for the example. And now we have the allegory of Hagar and Sarah beginning here. And will you notice now what he says to them? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Now he's going to make a contrast between these two boys that were born, one to Hagar and one to Sarah. And one is Ishmael and the other is Isaac. And what was the difference? Well, one was the son of a bondwoman, the other the son of a free woman. And the free woman represents grace. The bondwoman represents the law. 
And he's going to make that contrast here. Now he says, which things are an allegory. Now what he's saying is this, that the story of Abraham's not an allegory. Some have attempted to say that, by the way. But he says, this thing that happened to Abraham and the two boys born to him of two different women, that contains an allegory. It has a message for us today. And he goes on to say it contains an allegory. These are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar, and then the other comes from Calvary, where Christ was crucified for us. Now we're going to see that allegory next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. To prepare your hearts and heads for our next study, why don't you read through Galatians chapter 4, verse 31. In fact, it's always a great idea to read and think about God's Word before each study. You can download a free copy of our reading schedule when you visit ttb.org forward slash bookmark, or to have a copy of that bookmark and our monthly newsletter sent to you in the mail, you can sign up online or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. That's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you back here next time for another great adventure in God's Word. Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.